if you have ice cream, right? I don't care what you put sprinkles and chocolates and and nuts and cherry. You can put all that on top all you want. <laughs> if it's base ice cream sucks, the vanilla itself, it's terrible. There's nothing you can, you can't put nothing on it that's gonna make it better. Right. All right, so you gotta have the, the, the base of the ice cream tasting proper and right. I love it. I okay, love it. so get the original. Go back mm -hmm. to their album. Mm -hmm. Learn the first record. That vanilla right, that chocolate. Get it, you. vanilla, the chocolate right first. Yes, yes. Okay, That's once good. you get that, we can talk about raisins on there, black eyed peas, whatever you want to, whatever you want to put on it, like your ice cream, you know what I'm saying? Put a little steak on top of it, right. whatever. That's your, that's your, right. your choice. It doesn't make sense, is it right? Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you got to make those, you know, start there and then expand. Don't mm. go into it. All right, I want to change everything. Yeah. Uh, you got to remember, there's people out in the audience mm. that have been listening to these records. Well, and I, that was a lesson that I learned in real time. We were down at uh, Centennial Park. Okay. Right and uh, we were doing a, um, uh, a, a, a uh, uh, what's the song? It was the song. <laughs> got, to, got to give it up, yeah, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. When that part came up right then, the entire audience sung that part. They woke up. Okay. Right, mm -hmm. mind you, the guy threw the song on me. I hadn't tried to practice it, didn't know it. I kind of, you know, you heard it before. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh man, you know, you, you heard you heard one time." No, nah, I mean, you know, you need to know exactly what that part is. Right, right. When the entire when that part came up and the entire audience sung it, bro, mm. and I just had to go do you do, and I just lifted my hands because I was like, I don't want to mess this. Don't mess up. this up, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. And we're here live today with someone who is no stranger to the music industry. We have the one, the only bass player MD extraordinaire, Trey Gilbert. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Always Glad a pleasure. to be here. We're yeah. here at Musically Hitched. We hitched, man, and, it's, and, and we can't do this show without you. This, oh. is, this is, you are, you are one of my prize guest i think that this is uh this show was made for people like you oh excellent and you have such an incredible story that a lot of people know but some people think they know <laughs> and you're not a stranger to, to the mic either so <laughs> i've seen you on stage before you, you don't just play the bass you, you get up and start to sing and direct well you know so. you gotta try to you know you know entertain the people sometimes yeah, no. that's what that's what it is right? i think i'm a comedian really i know yeah, you are you are like, <laughs> low key and high key i think <laughs> So, uh, but we're we're in your city, man. We're in Atlanta, so you know. We, a lot of times we start out talking about people, but I wanna I wanna get right down to what some people want to know from you. Right? Okay, what does it take to get the call to BMD? What does that What does that look like? How do you get the call? Well, if I had to, I kind of want to give you a backstory to make it make sense, right? Okay. All so, right. like, anytime you're doing a gig, what happens? You're supposed to learn, in my case, bass, the bass part. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happened over time basically was my my process about how I was learning the songs and what I was doing in that case, the artist would notice past the MD. What, you mean, what do you mean past the MD? So MD comes in 
and I have notes, charts, I have all this stuff, mm -hmm. something's uh, amiss, and then I'll be, oh no, it's four bars, and then it's a half a bar over here, or you know, it's A flat, B flat, it's not this. Yeah. Not trying to be disrespectful, right. that was just my study in, in nuance to the music. Okay. And what would happen is, more often than not, the artist or management will see, well, this guy, he's different from that guy and that guy. Ah, okay. So, or my the music director that I hired, mm -hmm. right? So somewhere along the way, the next time they would say, man, we'll get your number, we'll work together, maybe bring you in on a thing. Yeah. And that happened time and time again. And what also happened, because I'm a student of what to do and what not to do, okay. I would take the process that I would see other music directors do what they did and what they did not do. And then I would say, well, I would like it this way. And I wish I could, I wish I could just, if I was in then, what would I do? This would be it right. right here. This would be the process. This would be, okay, I would take this and I would give this, this information. What information is that? It's like, okay, they have a record that they have put out, but then it's probably a live version out there or they, the management sent you a live version. Well, I don't just send you the live version. Hmm. I send you, the actual record, because what happens when live versions? Live versions is subject to the musician that's playing it, which means that something could be wrong or changed or whatever. Right, so and I think right, you should always right. have a chance as a musician to know what's absolute, which is the record version, that album version, mm -hmm. right? And then you have the live version and you mesh those together for accuracy yeah. and yeah. nuance. A-B right? it, we call it, right? Yeah, right. yeah you got the comparison. <laughs> so it was stuff like that I was doing. And as a bass player, I would play the records. Yeah, it had my little taste, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, it was my little flavor on mm -hmm. it. But the record is the record, the hit is the hit, you know, and it sold 10 million, 10 million versions before. Well, it you showed up, right, Yeah, right. you know, mm -hmm. for years with, you know, this artist, that artist. So, you took, I took that, and, and that's how I would get a lot of these calls because my, my work ethic to making sure that these records were the records, not only that, I was nuanced in terms of knowing that this change from this part to this part was this, that the artist is used to, right. and these artists would pay attention to it, and then at the same time, we would have fun while playing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It had that kind of energy, and I would just get these, these calls with, you know, definitely music, other music directors that were like, man, I just, I like to play with this guy. He's, he's this, he's the basics, you know, yeah. on time, yeah. you know, knows, knows his music, cool to be around, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. that's pretty much that process that created more room for me to be a music director. Right. And then refining throughout that same process. Right. So basically you were, you were, you got calls. So we'll go back to, to, to the beginning because you got to lay a foundation. But basically you were on shows. Mm weren't called in to be the musical director. Oh. But paying attention to detail as the role player. Yes. Right. And and meticulous detail to to the extent where you could hear things that were missing. Maybe you how do you point that out to by the way? Like how can you point out something is missing without stepping on the in these toes? Because you know, Birdie's talk. Well, yeah, so I, I would say it's two things. Uh, in a couple cases, like say for instance, um, we take Soul Train Awards, we did three years of that, and I had a good friend of mine named um, Wizard Jones. He brought me into many countless situations, and I, and I actually give him a lot of credit for molding me uh, in a, a lot of areas, right? So he, he would say stuff like, um, I have to go do something business-wise outside the room. Can you take over? 
mm-hmm. opening a door for me. Yep. Well, he knew out of 15 people in the room, oh, Trey's gonna make it cool. He's nice. gonna right. make sure it's this, that, the third. So when he came back, more often than not, we probably ran 10 things opposed to maybe the four or five things. So that was my door to fix things mm-hmm. that I knew he wasn't necessary because he's having his mind over here, mind over there doing this, trying to handle logistics, paperwork, right. all this for just, you know, the TV show because there's a lot of stuff in TV people just don't see. So he would turn it over to me. And a lot of times that would happen in a lot of cases. They would turn it over and say, blah, blah, blah. And when it's not that and we're actually in a room or just simply rehearsing mm-hmm. and say, hey, bro, um, this is <laughs> and this right here is supposed to be F. D flat or whatever. And generally it's a running joke. You don't want to bet me. (laughs) You don't, if I ask you, I'd be like, are you sure? And then I look at you like that and everybody be like, oh, wait a minute, don't do it, don't do it. They've lost countless dollars with betting me. Cause I'd be like, are you sure? He's like, "Uh uh-oh. I said, you got a dollar? I just keep it easy on him. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause I'm about to take your money. Right. Yeah, you know I said, play, play the record. So play, where does play. that come from, though? Like, where, where did you get, where did you get confident enough to make that approach? Because it's, <laughs> right is right, mm-hmm. wrong is wrong. So we're talking about your process a little bit now. Mm-hmm. How did you arrive at a point to where you know that you could get that dollar in that moment? Because uh, somebody else didn't have done their homework, and that's why. See, if I, if I know my homework. Like you know yours, I'm not worried about that now. Well, it's two things that happen, right? Is you relying on your memory and me relying on the thing that I wrote down that I had to hear and write it down. Right. So right, so I'm writing it down. And everybody's charting and process is different. Yeah, we gotta go, you know. You remember what you remember. Right. You know, that's that's cool. You can tell me that's what it is. If you could be close, I'm gonna be absolute because I had to listen to it. (laughs) Right. I got this program that probably slowed it down. I wrote it down. I had to hear it several times before it got to the paper. Right. right? So that's my process. I'm very, very confident in that. The other thing one of the other things was back in the day um 112 silk uh jacket mm-hmm. edge we had these things called fish bowls okay. now you should know about this okay <laughs> this fish bowl right you make a mistake you know how your money was we say five dollars mistake right ten dollars right. a mistake right. you know what i'm saying so, oh man you don't want that now mind you this is this is you know, before like uh, all your cash apps yeah, and all yeah, this, right, and, you right. know, this is before <laughs> I even really got into the chart part right. of the game. I literally was just taking it in, but mm-hmm. then you talking about, you know, I'm young at this point, yeah. so I'm definitely wanting yeah. to be right because I'm walking in this room with some high powered cats and I'm like, I don't want to be wrong, so yeah. I'm studying. Exactly. I'm really putting time in learning what I need to learn. Right. So they would just challenge you and, hey man, $5 mistake, we running right. it down. Right. What, what what you gonna do? Oh, 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 I'm about it. You know, we yeah. about, about to buy some shoes. Yeah, right. About to get some lunch on you, all this. And you, at countless times it would happen. So when I, you know, migrated, you know, into a different process of writing it down, mm-hmm. it took my remembering part of the game out and it had absolute to the paper. Cause I might play it wrong. Mm-hmm. I might miss it. I might jump. Something might happen. A fly hit me in the face, or yeah, you know, something. Right. I might miss it here. Stuff happens. But right. the paper, right? If I've written it down, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm gonna put my money on that. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So then we go back to let's listen to it. Mm-hmm. And oh man, yeah. okay, you got me. That's right. Yeah. You know. And sometimes it's even, it's like that. I've done that with artists. I said I don't mean no harm. I know you know your records. 
But which version of this do you want to play? Do you want to play this remix, the original, <laughs> the one that JD did? Do you? Because now I went into a bag and they're like, oh my God, they've been doing this music for 20 years. Yeah. And they get so far away hearing different musicians. Mm -hmm. What right. does the original right. look like? Right. One of the coolest compliments I got maybe a year or so ago was um, with uh, Brick. I was playing with the band Brick. Mm -hmm. And the, the wives came to the show, right? Mm. So um, Jimmy and all them, we're having a good time. So we come off stage and they say, we haven't heard our music like this our music. in years. Right. These are the wives. Right, right. Think about that. Mm -hmm. The fact that they've had several bands. You know what I'm saying? They've had the the main staples in the band, mm -hmm. you know, for years, the people who wrote the records. And then for the wives who lived with this for 30 years, 40 yeah. years to say, we haven't heard our records yeah. like this in years was a testament to how we just, not only how we prepared for it, yeah. but how we played it yeah. at the same time. And the energy was there, it was a great show. Right. So that was a, you know, that was a testament to, how I do things, how we did things as a band and wanting to perfect the record and make mm -hmm. a make it dope, make it regular, what it's supposed to be. Because these yeah. funk records, yeah. they gotta, it's a way they gotta be played. That's you right. can't, That's over, right. can't overthink those things. That's right. you know? I love the way that they refer to it as our records too, mm -hmm. regardless of whether they wrote them or not, because music is a is a family affair. When you make a career, and that's what this show is about. You yeah. know, how do you how do you go from I've got a musical gift I've got an interest in music too, to doing like yourself, making a living from this and making a, a career out of it. And so they had not even been on the stage, let's assume, mm -hmm. but they still owned those records. They were there for the process. It's like, you know, you're writing a song, you're going through a thing and mm -hmm. generally things. They lived you, it. Right? They lived it in mm -hmm. real time. So like, yeah, that hour, that ownership, is, mm -hmm. it's a big thing. And it's a skill set behind regurgitating a record. Yeah. You know, it's easy to create your own thing, a chain, you know, say, you know, uh, well, let's add this. I, I don't I don't like this. Mm -hmm. That's easy. Like, cause now you're taking that in and saying, you know, you're turning it into another record. You're turning mm -hmm. it into something else that you want, right. not that what it is. Is that a lack of discipline? See, now you're poking like the bear. Now, now you know you're poking the bear. Come on, Zach. You can't just say that like that and look at me like that, well, man. I mean, you know that, you know that's, a, that's. Like you said, you wrote things down. Mm -hmm. They wrote songs. They I'm wrote say, compositions. They wrote notes, right? So, so I'm going to push back a little bit. It can be a little bit of both, right? All right. It can be a little bit of. Um, I, think, I think sometimes some of the younger ones have an ego about what they think is right. Okay. And yeah, it is a part of lack of discipline because nobody asked you. Right. You know, so what, what actually happened? What actually happened was that we asked you to come in here. We gave you a number. We said, "Come and play these records." Mm -hmm. Nobody asked you if you liked the record. They didn't ask you this. Right. You could have chosen not to do the gig, but exactly. to to a lot to make it easier on yourself, you want to change it because you don't. It's a whole bunch of record gigs I didn't get mm -hmm. that I didn't necessarily like, but my opinion wasn't involved. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? I my job, and I was commissioned to, to play. Right. Because we're talking about music direction now. If we're going yes. to talk to yes. Mr. Trey Gibble, we got to talk about how you do what you do. And a lot of people want the opportunities. They want to. They want the stage. They want to be seen with the artist. They want the, the photo op, et cetera. But how you've earned this over the years is what we want to highlight today. And that's not the only part of your story. But how you literally get to call for New Edition. How do you get to call for Belle Biv DeVoe? How do mm -hmm. you get to call for Johnny Gill? How do you, mm -hmm. how do you continuously get to do that year after year, decades? Mm -hmm. These artists have called you now at this point. Uh, man, again, uh, being being a student of music, okay, playing the records, um, having the skill set, the chops, yeah, but professionalism is professionalism, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's not all musical. 
No, 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 no. It's that's the that's that's the easy part. Okay. You know, because it's a I, I can name a thousand bass players that play circles around me. Mm. Have all the skill in the world, but what does it feel like? You know what I mean? A lot of times your opinion is uh, not wanted or necessary because some people just want their records to be played. Right. 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 And it's only so much changing you're going to be able to do. Let's take B, uh, BBD, like I said, Bell Bill DeVoe. First of all, we're playing with a DJ. Hmm. Okay. How much stuff can I do without messing up the record? Right. Because the bass line is going to be it's in the record. The record is playing with you. You got to play that. You can't be all this. Can't do all that. You about to check this? It's just too much. It's like saying jazz or whatever. You know, saying you just gotta gotta do that, right? That's a discipline in and of itself, right? And as a music director, you got to know how to not mess something up. If you gotta, if you're gonna, you're either gonna make it better or you need to leave it alone, right? But you have to start with the base, the base easy part. The Mm-hmm. The song goes this way. Learn the original before you can do any ad or anything. You need to learn the original. I, I always said this to some of my um, mentees and stuff I do in the foundation. I was telling them if you got a uh, uh, if you have ice cream, right? I don't care what you put sprinkles and chocolates and and nuts and cherry you can put all that on top all you want <laughs> if it's base ice cream sucks the vanilla itself it's terrible there's right. nothing you, know, you can <laughs> you can't put nothing on it that's gonna make it better right all right so you gotta have the the, the base of the ice cream tasting proper and right i love it I okay love it. so get the original go back mm-hmm. to their album mm-hmm. learn the first record the vanilla right that chocolate get it vanilla the, the chocolate right first yes yeah, okay that's once good. you get that we can talk about raisins on there black eyed peas <laughs> whatever you want whatever you want to put on the, your ice cream you know what i'm saying <laughs> put a little snake on top of it right. whatever that's your that's your right. your choice it doesn't make sense is it right uh you know whatever yeah, yeah. but you got to make those you know start there and then expand don't mm. go into it all right i want to change everything yeah uh, you gotta remember there's people out in the audience mm. that have been listening to these records and I, that was a lesson that I learned in real time. We were down at uh, Centennial Park. Okay. Right and uh, we were doing a, um, uh, a, a, a uh, uh, what's the song? It was the song. Got to give it up, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Yo, when that part came up right then, the entire audience sung that part. They woke up. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. mind you, the guy threw the song on me. I hadn't tried to practice it, didn't know it. I kind of, you know, you heard it before. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh man, you know, you, you heard you heard it one time." No, nah, I mean, you know, you need to know exactly what that part is. Right, right. When the entire when that part came up and the entire audience sung it, bro, mm. and I just had to go do do, and I just lifted my hands because I was like, I don't want to mess this. Don't mess up. this up. Yeah, <laughs> they're all singing the part. Right, and then I came back. I was like. And that taught me like a valuable lesson. You know, even though I had no control over it because yes. the guy threw the song out there, we had no time to practice and all right. this kind of stuff. But my, my resolve to the moment was, hey, hey nothing is better than something. You right. know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. in this particular case, otherwise I'm out there with the big old wrong, right. opposed to just right. silence and letting the audience sing it. Yeah. It was one of those moments where you choose, uh-huh. <laughs> either you choose violence yeah. or not. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? You're like, 
Oh, right, my God. right. Oh no, I don't want to <laughs> let them sing it now. Yeah, go back in. Mm, you know, they come back in. But you got, you know, you got to choose those things, and that's part of being a music director, right? That's right, and, right. and understanding, you know, how to take a make a when it could be an L, mm-hmm. how to make it a win. Yes, right. it don't always needs to be something in this spot. Right, you know, right. or it does need something, but it needs to lift opposed to just to be adding something. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah. Wow. 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 So where did this start for you? So let's let's go back a little bit. So you how old when you started playing the bass? Do you remember? Uh I started playing upright bass when I was twelve. Okay. And I switched over to electric bass when I was fifteen. Any other instruments outside of bass? Messing around with drums and keys, a little mm-hmm. guitar, just messing around. I, I play enough to produce, but I wouldn't take a gig. You know, right, right. <laughs> you've had a few gigs, so that, yeah. I think you did all right. <laughs> so, so did you have a musical mentor? Did you learn on your own? Did someone I mean, you had teachers along the way? I'm assuming, but did you yeah. have anyone that said, you know, follow me? In this process uh wow okay so that's that's deep so my my family my grandparents I was raised with my grandparents and they were heavily involved in the um gospel music workshop of america with james cleveland and all okay. this kind of stuff mm-hmm. college choir workshops um, mary right. broughton and my uncle kelvin broughton um they um had a gospel choir called imc interdenominational mass choir and my uncle Kelvin Broughton was over that, and he was a, basically one of the, the big wigs in Atlanta with my grandma, organ player. Okay. And I sat around watching all these amazing people come in and out of my house. Mm-hmm. Whether it was the Hawkins, Daryl Coley, Kurt Franklin, all these people just wow. come in and out. Wow. You know, early in the game. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, with that being said, and they would come over for first Sunday. We were talking about earlier for yeah. first Sunday just to eat with my family and yeah. So this is like we're not just talking about like the the, the church house. We're talking about your your house. Your yeah, this is my actual grandma right. house. You know, they had to get your table right yeah, right. We all at the house just eating, and they okay. would just walk in and out. No, no egos, anything like that. Um, and that actually ties in how me and Little John know each other because his uncle. Andrew Ford used to come over and eat and hang out after they would do these conventions and stuff. Okay. All right, so. This is Lil' John. Union. Roberts, the drummer. Oh, the Roberts. Okay, I got you. Uh-huh. So um, we've known each other since we was 15, ah, you know, okay. 16. Um, with that being said, the choir, he had horns. I mean, it was almost like the earth, wind, and fire of, of gospel at the time because these arrangements he would make would be crazy. Nice. He had a bass player named Rick Carter which is near and dear to my heart. I call him dad right now. Um, I saw him play. I remember him having on a complete red outfit with a Kango and smelled like Oscar De La Rente. I mean, like it was like crazy. He came in, super cool ponytail earrings. I just remember, I remember I was, sitting on, guy, the, yeah, yeah. I was sitting on the steps watching my, um, you know, them practice downstairs with Max on guitar. And, Dwayne White, and it's all these people. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Horn sections. And mind you, Vance Taylor's walking in, William Green's, all these, all these with oh, my uncles, man. like watching yeah. these guys. I'm young. And I saw him play. And at that moment, I said, I want to do that. I want to play bass. Mm. So he never formally, formally did anything to like even touch the bass with me. I just watched and waited, and my mom said, well, you gotta, you gotta start on the upright. So that's how I started on the upright. Okay. And for years, I couldn't get him on a record or anything, so I would play these albums with Tremaine Hawkins. I listened to Andrew Goucher, yeah. and he and I are friends now. That's awesome. Um, I learned songs from them and the records, and finally he got on this one record out of Atlanta from Cathedral of Faith called He's Worthy. 
You remember He's Worthy, that album, um, back in the, it was a long time ago, gospel record, super huge record. Okay. That was when I finally got Rick Carter on a record, mm-hmm. which means now I can study him. Right. Now I'm, I'm tearing needles up, trying to learn these <laughs> bass lines and stuff. My grandma's, man, get off the break right. And I say, I get out of school, the first thing I do is try to figure it out right. <laughs> so that in the process this is when tape players with the red yeah, book right, and right. all this so yeah. to get him on a record was mm-hmm. like huge That's to huge, me yeah. so now it started cultivating that part of me and then um my first gig outside of church was with a, a community choir with a guy named keith brooks and new creation okay my grandma said at the time i wasn't ready to play yet uh. but they let me play and figured out with them because they were basically figuring out all right okay so that set up everything for rick carter hearing him sergio croom a guy named joe frierson stayed in the house with us with my uncle and kelvin all this so and he was amazing and then you know hearing Goucher and all this stuff i was just building this big you know um it's a melting pot right in the yeah because i'm around all this jazz i'm all around this gospel Mm -hmm. my uncles are playing these funk records on friday nights like friday and saturday (laughs) you know i just wake up in the morning clean the house and you hear it downstairs just killing it bananas all this gap band all the early mic stuff Uh, all on the record so i'm getting all this music and then they're singing and all these singers are coming through so i get these opportunities so that's kind of like what built that when right. rick couldn't do a gig or alex evans couldn't do a gig mm-hmm. when he came in they say well trey he might be you know ready you know bring me ready. In. Right. and here i come and they showing me john crosland uh, john askew and you know anthony siders and all mm-hmm. these guys um but they let me play so when did they know you were ready like like you letting you play is one thing when did they know okay we don't need to just let him play we actually need to call him um that was probably around I say about 18, 19, you know, mm. I'm doing it every day. I'm actually showing the bass players that they bring it in the songs. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. My grandma at 17 was like, okay, my uncle John Crossland, um, who married my aunt, who's an amazing player. He did a lot of production and stuff with Alana Adams and all, you know, uh, Pace Sisters and, you know, Cathedral Faith Records and all that. Um, Sean Pace Rose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did, they produced a lot of those records. And when, I would be sitting around, I was like, okay, this song goes like this, so and so and so and so. And they, you know, come Cheryl Harper, you know, mm-hmm. then they come in, well, why don't you let him play? Right. And my right. grandma said, well, he can play now. You know, so he can play at the church. So I started playing at the church. And then other <laughs> churches wanted to hire me and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, well, I'm at my home church. I just started playing. So right. then a friend of mine named William Tony, I'm like 18 at the time, not even out of high school, was like, well, can we take him to California to play with <laughs> us? And I'm starting to make money and then okay. calling me to do club gigs and, you know, this kind of stuff. So I'm uh-huh. just building my way. I'm just wanting to play, you know, at yeah. the time. I mean, like the struggle is the struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a true story. We used to go to the club on Friday nights, I'm like 19. We were making with a guy named Antonio Allen, $48 and tw- like 25 cents or something Some crazy. Okay. It was like something weird, like seven of us, and we was out there, you know, for 12, <laughs> 11, like two in the morning, you know what I mean? Like just gigging, cause. Getting it in, right? Getting it in. Yeah. I didn't know this was bad. <laughs> I thought it was great. I didn't have no bills, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you all of that 
Yeah, that's like a good, that's like a recurring number. It's a lot of people that have actually said it. Fifty. That was my number. Yeah. The first check I remember getting was like fifty bucks for some reason. I don't know if that was a southeastern thing, a church thing, or what. But I don't. This was, that this was just was like the going rate, huh? I guess we were splitting it up. Yeah, wow. forty-eight, twenty-five ish. <laughs> <laughs> cheated, you cheated your dollars. In. <laughs> it was like, who came up with this number? You know. <laughs> but no, uh, it was good. It's a good process to go through, and I think. Now you don't have that process. You don't even have right. the training rounds. Remember all this stuff was training rounds. Mm-hmm. We had a lot yeah. more music. We yeah, had, you know, that was computer huge. wasn't a whole yeah. big deal. This, you know, at that point, you had to actually go to a record store and listen to records. Right. You right. had to have albums, you know, it was right off of eight track CDs mm-hmm. wasn't the thing. Yeah. You know, it was, it's a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. I saw two inches when, you know, I saw two inch recording, yeah. you know, with yeah. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I've seen it. I watched uh-huh. them do it. You know, so, so it's, a, it's a whole thing, man. But that's how that, you know, came about, you mm-hmm. know, the process of me getting the opportunities that's the training ground watching great people do it in real time and then they're sewing into you and telling you this and as a matter of fact that same guy rick carter i was telling you about i asked him about a lick mm. and um he said okay and he picked my bass up and he turned his back and he played it he said did you get it <laughs> i said no i couldn't see it he said you don't need to see it you need to hear it you need to hear it wow and that was another thing, a moment in time, like, okay, <laughs> these are king, seeing it is not the thing. Because right. it even it made sense to me later on because he tuned a whole step down as opposed to standard plan. Okay. It wouldn't have mattered if I saw it either way because he tuned different. I need yeah. to hear it. Yeah, you can copy Yeah, so right. I can get it. Mm-hmm. Later on, I ended up tuning my bass down, you know, like him. But yeah. I didn't know that at the time. I was just trying to learn, you know, I mm-hmm. wanted to see it clearly. He's like, no, you gotta hear it. Yeah, you know, but that's a defining moment, right? Yeah, that's a visual. That's a really good visual, right? Yeah, there. you're like, like, oh, you won't forget that. No, like I had to hear it, and and yeah. and I know it could be done because I he's playing my bass and ain't his bass. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's like, oh, so it can be done on my bass. I just gotta spend time. I just uh, gotta get it right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. well, that sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of nuggets for for a lot of people right there because <laughs> I mean, you you can you can you can think you know something, right? But until you, like you said, until you can turn around or do it with your eyes closed or do it in the dark, as some some people have said, they practice like you gotta you gotta know the instrument well enough to know, regard like you said, regardless of the tuning, this is this is where I've got to play it. This is where it's got to be. Mm-hmm. So take me a little bit further than that. So when did music become? You're already making money. This is and you're 18. We got up to around 18, 19. You go mm-hmm. in the club, 48 dollars and 25 cents <laughs> yep. per gig. And then now, okay, see, so you've been a professional musician for how long? Would you say? What year is this for you? Ooh, um, let's see. So this would make, I say 15, 16. I started actually getting paid at it. So let's just say 16, 29, uh, 34 years. Wow. 34? I don't think that's about right. Okay. Yep. So that's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. So when did you decide this is the only way? Because, you know, at a certain point, those of us that are musically hits and do it full time. And remember, the show for those listeners, it's not just about people that are doing it for a living. It's those helping people understand that either want to make the transition or they're people that do it on the side. You know, it's not their main source of livelihood, but they they take it seriously enough to where it, it could be or it does provide, you know, remuneration. So when do you remember saying, okay, I'm gonna do this, not just I wanna do it, that was that part of your childhood, but now I either I am doing it. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, and here's how. What, what was that moment like for you? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, during that same time, um, I had these weird jobs. Okay. So between... So you had jobs other than music. You didn't you yeah, haven't just played baseball. Yeah, between 16 and life. 19, right. I had these weird jobs. Okay. 
the weird drops were uh, uh, put those sensors on clothes from Macy's, you know, the thing. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> yeah, I did that. What you think you're going to do? Yeah, I did that. I did. I, uh, I worked at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Uh, I uh, <laughs> did that for a couple of years. And, and I cleaned um, brand new houses. Like uh, one of my uncle's girlfriends, I would go help her do that, right? The last job that I had is the moment I decided that I did not want to do it again. Okay, I went, I was doing, I was working, doing gigs, and um, I had a job at Wendy's, okay? This is very good. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember this, but back in the day, what used to happen, you used to have to work a week in a hole or something like that, basically, so you had to work, it's almost like working three weeks before you get a check. So, I come in, it's, you know, it's, when, you know, it's a Friday, I'm at Wendy's, they hand me my check, and I, and I open the envelope in the whole 12 and I see it and it says something like $112. Uh, okay. And I just came from playing a gig and made like $150. Right. And I said, wait a minute, I worked all week, $112? I'm out of here. Yeah. I walked out the door. I walked right out the door. I didn't just even. Just like that? You I said just, just like that? I said, oh no, that's it. Uh-huh. And I just, I just, I just left. Yeah. And I didn't look back or consider yeah, right. anything else because right. that moment was big. Like, I worked all week. I'm coming in here at 6 o'clock, not leaving to 1 in the morning or right, right. 4 o'clock, not leaving to... I was like, what kind of math is... Uh, I mean, you got to remember, who's FICA? And, 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 and this other guy that's on here, why did they get the money? What? He's assailants, right? All oh, these people stealing, you know? So, uh, so for me, that was like... Oh no, I don't understand what was going on. You know, this is telling my age for sure, like four twenty-five an hour, something like that. Wow, you know, okay. something crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of money. I don't know what I was expecting, but mm. after I saw what was possible, right, through me working on this end and being diligent doing that, mm. and then I'm saying, oh, I'm working for these people. Smelling like grease, I'm tired of running, you know, mm. this don't make sense, like, you know what I'm saying, they need to talk, talk to you crazy, fuck at the door, and all this. no, this is the, that's it for me, so yeah. I'm out, I left that, and just put my focus, I was, like I said, I was already working, yeah, already doing it, and doing what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I never really was a guy that, that called people, and, and can I play, I was doing a bunch of community choirs and club gigs, yeah, right. but I didn't have no real bills either, Okay. So mm-hmm. it just made more sense to go this route and just keep on that path opposed yeah. to coming up here wasting time for six, eight hours a day to make, what was it? I don't even know, maybe $30. At the time, you know, it right. probably was good. Gas was 60 cents. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that? So the, it again, but that, that was my process. That's how I made the definitive decision of. Oh no! This is this. I need to go this direction, you mm-hmm. know, and want to go this direction. And I just said that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And even when we were playing around with games and we, you know, video games, um, one of the processes that we had, you ain't gonna sit there and play games and not work on music, right? Okay. So we work on music, track something, play around, play a game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear something. Pause. Go over there. Program a beat. Okay. Me and Mark Mazer, Landon okay. Anderson. He's like, okay. Oh, I got something. Pause. 
Go there, come back, play the game. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And even that would be our whole process all day. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Coming up with beats, coming up with this, you know, and have a friend come over, he rap on it. Anybody, you know, we weren't yeah. thinking about it going Just on, creating, right? yeah. We're just right. creating. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that was our process. Yeah. Iron and sharpening iron people, trying to figure out how to work certain programs and all that stuff. Right. You know. Right. So what was the what was that big call for you? Or the one that you say, okay, this changed everything? Well, I don't know. Um I actually don't know because I remember uh, I, re- I remember working with Silk and getting a call from Big Jim, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they 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 were in a group at the time, but but uh, Lil G wasn't in it yet. So okay. Big G um, called and was like, "I need you to do this gospel thing for my mom." Mm-hmm. And it was part of the Silk umbrella. Yeah, so so everybody's from Atlanta. I mean, so it's, it's still Atlanta. local, right? Uh, even with um, 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 Jagged Edge and, and um, One Twelve, those boys, they, we were all part of church. Yeah, you remember all this was right. We grew up together, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, pretty much. So when we got those calls, One Twelve, MD, and that, um, they were friend based calls. Okay, and they knew what I did in the gospel world, and they just remembered that, so they just brought me in. Um, but I never thought about it as a as a jump off, as a as a, as a coming into mm-hmm. anything. I just thought, oh, I'm just going to work, just helping out, yeah. You know what right. I'm saying or whatever. Yeah, they pay me and all this kind of stuff. But it was just fun mm-hmm. and making the transition. Um, um, when he called me for that, I started working with Silk. Then I got a call from, um, like I said, Jagged Egg and One Twelve, uh, MDing and stuff like this. Yeah, these he's just homies. Mm-hmm. Um, start getting those type of gigs and calls but what was funny is i never like looked at it as like oh they're big or, or small or you know because I, 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 even with me doing gigs i remember telling my um uncles i was playing with these cats and they didn't get excited until this one time i walked in and was like i'm going to play with millie jackson the weird part was i wasn't familiar with really millie jackson i was <laughs> right. like, like that's keisha's mom but what you mean right. like it's it's it's, it's Miss Millie, like, right, right. He's like, man, that's Millie Jackson, the Millie Jackson. I'm like, all right, you got me. You go, it's say Keisha's mom. Yeah, right. it's Keisha's mom. Like, that's <laughs> see how Eric Badu and all this kind of stuff. Right. And you know, it's just a big old pile of just working. You know, mm-hmm. even with, with with funk jazz and or, or like I got a call from one of my friends, Rick Rick Jordan. He's go do Roberta Flack to me. That was that was amazing. That mm-hmm. was a big deal. You know, um, sitting at the, at the piano with her and playing bass and you know and with Japan and all this kind of stuff that was super awesome yeah um but I never did a high low comparison okay meaning I didn't I don't never I take a a five dollar gig the same way I do a five thousand dollar gig there's no respective gig for me right so I put the same energy in and I have the same amount of fun whether it's a tv show Mm -hmm. or just a you know out in the park because right you know we just having fun I don't I don't make a difference yeah so um and that's that's my story and i think that's possibly why um it's yielded a certain amount of success Mm -hmm. because there is no oh well it's just for this right i don't i don't look at it this way that way i I, at this point i do chart everything i want to you know Mm -hmm. when i know the song out pattern night if they change the pattern at least i know what's absolute it's my process of making sure that i just keep doing the best i can right in, in on that gig, you know, right. mm-hmm. so that's 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 kind of way I see that. I don't, I don't know if any of it, you know. I would say that getting a call from 
wizard, you know, about uh, well, I give you two points. So the, the call from wizard is one. But when I was working on my first record with um, with Mark Harris, which is instrumental um, to to my whole process, because what he did was uh, he took me as an artist to Nashville, and I was working on a record. Well, what that opened up was me music director for Ann Nesby. Okay. So I produced a couple of records on her, DVD on her, and um, got two Grammy nominations for that. Mm. I got put into the um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis camp via that, which also met, had me meet Sherelle. Mm-hmm. And Michael McDonald did a commercial with that, with him. But I was a vocalist on in Nashville. They don't even know I play bass ah, in Nashville at this okay. point. Wow. So, so it's like all this stuff came together through me working on a record, my record, now, mind you, CC Winans produced a record, a couple songs on me. Um, I'm working with Eric Gales and really? all these guys in Nashville as a singer. Wow. Not, not as a bass player. Willie Weeks is in there doing this, playing bass. Mind you, Willie Weeks is you in there. You had a whole solo vocal career on the, on the come up. And Nashville never knew I was a bass player for years. Wow. You know, I just worked with BB. Um, on the Capitol Jazz Cruise, and he remembers the song. That's how I had to make him remember. I was like, "Yo, you remember?" Because uh, we were on the phone. He didn't know. He was looking at it like his manager called. He's like, "Yeah, I got Trey Gilbert on the phone." It's like Trey Gilbert sounds familiar. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that after I talk to you about this uh-huh, business." Right. So we started talking about the business set list. He's sending me stuff in real time. He said, "We got that out the way." I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool. We're good." I said, "I was like, BB, I'm gonna tell you who I am now." I said, "Yo, you remember this song, Simply Redeemed?" He said, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know what I mean? I said, it's me, it's Trey. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, how you been? I was like, yeah, I just want to do that at the end of this right, conversation. Right. <laughs> so he tells this man, oh, we good then. We ain't, yeah. ain't got to worry about nothing. He didn't come to rehearsal, didn't fly down, nothing. Oh, just showed wow, up at okay. the gig, okay. killed it on the cruise, mm-hmm. you know, had an excellent time. So, But that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. But because I went through that, because of Mark Harris putting that moment in time saying, right. I want to do a record on you. Yeah. You know, Bricks Without Straw and all this is on this album, this compilation. Uh, came out with that song. Uh, Isaac Carey redid that song. Uh, Heather Headley redid the song. Like wow. it's like four or five people re- redid that song. And that introduced me to go through the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis school. Okay. So now I'm in, you know, dealing with them at Doppler. We're doing the Which album. is not open admission, by the way. This this school is not. <laughs> you don't just be in there. You right. know what I'm saying? This is only. You know, like I said, yeah. it goes back to me. I'm, I remember sitting around at Doppler and text messaging and just started happening. Like DM, what y'all call DMing now? Mm-hmm. This was happening in real time. Watch this. He's sitting over there, jam, jam, jam over there, Terry over here. Watch this. <laughs> Bing. And then, ah! They go crazy. I'm like, yo, this is real. I was like, see, now y'all, it is right, so yeah, easy. Yeah. But they, right. at that moment, I was like, man, that's crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and this is when two inches was happening. That's amazing, right. Yeah, you know, they still cutting tape. And yeah. we're doing wheel. We did the Fighting Temptations um, mm-hmm. soundtrack at Doppler. And I work with um, Kevin Ford and uh, Angel, which is their artist. But all that spinned off of Ann Nesby because I worked with her for, I was her music director mm-hmm. for eight years because of Mark Harris. Right. So it's just, right. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like so I, one thing is connecting and it's, it's just, it's all, it's all coming together. So. Absolutely. Wow. And that opened another door to um, Calvin Richardson, the Bobby Womack tribute album. I produced that. Mm-hmm. That was two, two Grammy nominations um, for that, which Ann, that was an introduction. Okay. Because I, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was like, it's Shiner Key Records. Yeah. And that's because I did, you know what I'm saying? And it's just. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the, the, the music. We had a brief conversation. We're going to let the people in on it now. So we've talked about the, the music ecosystem. Rodney Edge was on the show, and we talked about that briefly. Yes. But you're a person that understands this very thoroughly as well, and you have contributed very much. And I want to say that to you publicly. You are, you are uh, probably one of the most committed people I've seen to Atlanta's music community. There's always somebody in a city that can pull everybody together or that, can, that you see the value, right? Yeah. And and you've you've given a lot to the city. So I want to give you those flowers. Thank now you, brother. Because you've created opportunities for myself and tons and countless other people uh, because of your willingness to to show up or to just pull things together. Sometimes you just throw your own party. Your birthday party <laughs> celebrations yes, are, are legendary and people just show up. And <laughs> oh, but it's God. it's always been like like a, a classic, classic time. So talk about why you're so passionate about the music ecosystem. Because you 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 now you're global. You, you traveled the world, stamped numerous passports with your gift, but this is still, you still call Atlanta home, you always have. Hmm. But how is the, what does the ecosystem mean to you, the music business ecosystem? It's, it's it was always important for me to, to make sure that Atlanta was represented right. Now, okay. mind you, it doesn't matter where you're from. I mean, I really mean it doesn't matter where you're from. Once mm -hmm. you're here and you, we embrace you, that's Atlanta. Yeah, it is. I mean, we are the gumbo of music. Right. Right. Um, we really get want to really get deep into it. A lot of people came up from Florida back in the day um, and see what we call trap and all that. Miami-based music can easily be considered part of that that turn. Okay. All right. You know when Goody Mob and Outkast and all that mm -hmm. stuff is coming up. Too short. Edward J mixtapes. If you go back far enough, everybody know about Edward J mixtapes in Atlanta. So it's a big deal. Like we, we was like, but technically it was a spinoff of of that of, of of that Miami stuff. So give give to give that credit. But right. the problem was everyone was coming from everywhere, mm -hmm. and we had our own feel and sound, no matter how, where right. Right. who came here. People want right. to know how to play that ATL, right? Mm -hmm. You know, say how that ATL work. I it's got a different swagger on it because yeah. we are different. <laughs> but, uh, when on. Uh, uh, Goody and Outkast dropped those records. Mm -hmm. The reason it was accepted because it felt good, simple and plain. Yeah, it was new, it was fresh. It was right. like, wow, this right. is wow, this ATL stuff is crazy. Yeah. you know, think about it. L.A. and Face them had they spot here. Dallas, Austin, um, Mario. I used to mm -hmm. work with Skeeter mm -hmm. back in the day. We'd be up at uh, uh, DARP all the time, cutting records. It was people, and that's Detroit. I just named Detroit, New York. I just named all these places that people right. come from right. Right. to be in Atlanta because we had this. This sound that was different, but mm -hmm. it was cool yeah. and it was embraced, right? Right. With that being said, um, there was a time where musically some things were happening that weren't uh, politically, I'm going to say, say it politically correct, that it wasn't, we weren't represented well. Okay. Musically, people weren't doing the right thing by the music. They were the musicians. So then they started to outsource. They took a lot of these shows and bands. They were saying they oh they they don't learn music or they don't show up on time or this kind of thing was happening. Well, we took it upon ourselves. Some of me and my friends was like, nah, we can't have this. You right. know what I'm saying? We got to make sure that we put our good foot forward. Okay. You know, mind you, this is around the same time that Lil John is coming down here for the Chronicle. Mm -hmm. Jason Orr with Funk Jazz, you know, Cafe, uh, all this kind of stuff is coming down here, and now we're injected into that. Mm -hmm. Lil John is, you know, building a whole thing here yeah. with Bone Crusher, NDRE, and all this stuff mm -hmm. is happening. So then you had Apache, right? Yeah. Yin Yang before that. Yeah. Started 
musically people coming out here. Anybody would walk through Eric Badu, anybody, mm -hmm. anybody would come because it was musical, it was a band. Yeah. You got L Rock working on this and Avery working on that and right, right. cutting these records and all that, right? So now we're getting the calls again. Mm. The TV shows are coming here. The the award shows are coming here. Yeah. Everybody wants to have a band on work out of Atlanta yeah. for multiple reasons, whether it be um, wanting that ATL sound and or um, financially it was it was beneficial because of tax breaks tax or whatever have you. Yeah, right. You know about right. that. So yeah. and the same thing with um, with now the why they call it the Black Hollywood yeah. and with the incentives and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But again, I digress. That's all. The history. Thing. Give, it, give it gets, the history. Yeah. Heavy. That's right. So with that being said, we took it upon ourselves when we would come and do things. To, to really make it right, to mm -hmm. spend time, you know, refining this music and giving the artists what they deserve and what is right. right. The time, the, the perspective, the energy, all that stuff mattered to us. And then it started to come back here, mm -hmm. right? Whether it was the VH1 or Soul Train or this or whatever it was, yeah. that stuff started coming back here. And yeah. you almost can't find nobody out of a, in a band right now that ain't got an ATL person yeah. in it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's all here now. It's all here, but that's that's where it started from. Yeah, yeah we started to move the needle back into the uh, um, in, into the ATL perspective with um, with our view and correcting some of the things that were happening. Okay, you know what I'm saying, um, which was uncool at the end of the day. Of course, we young, we, you know, we didn't know what they had did. We just kept hearing people say stuff, and we was like, man, that ain't us. You know what I'm saying? So like, bring up to the party. We're ready to dance. You know right. what I'm saying? We've got the shoes on and that. So like, let's rock. Like, so it's like, that's us. You know what I'm saying? So then it corrected itself and it's been correcting itself. And then now you have what now? Now you got trap jazz. He was like, well, yeah. that, that came from a boy, Chris and Cassius. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Man, it's just, it's just everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and music is making another turn, you know, yeah. but yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I mean, you, 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 you laid a lot of, foundational things that people may or may not know about you, but you've been, you're, you're one of Atlanta's native sons. So mm -hmm. you, you seen Atlanta before the LaFace days yes. and you participated actively in that era. So what was that like? If, you know, because that was, would you consider that one of the first big commercial things for at least black music in Atlanta? Or, would, or was it something that preceded that, that you would credit? that brought LaFace here. Why, like why Atlanta for, for Babyface in LA back in the day? I, I think they saw something. Uh, Atlanta had a, a rich history of definitely um, a culture and um, um, it was becoming somewhere in, in, a, in a culture sense, a black sense where people wanted to come. Even though we had this sordid history when it comes down to, you know, racism and yeah, all this civil rights, stuff. right. Civil rights and all that. But I think also uh, because of the go it was a gospel culture that mm -hmm. was heavy here, mm -hmm. ARR records and all that they had, a, you know, that was down on Memorial and that, that was huge, a bunch of quartet groups. Yeah. And then I think something, something they start seeing the light. A lot of producers down here um, that had swagger. Um, L.A. was cool. Chicago was cool. But it's always, if you ever pay attention to a cycle, Mm -hmm. You know, they go to New York. Oh, it's New York. Then they go to oh, it's Houston. Oh, it's Detroit. Oh, no, you know, L.A. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, eh. like about time, you know, Florida got their shot. Give Atlanta a little love. Let's see what's going on in Atlanta. Right. You know, just, right. the, 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 the ecosystem ain't weird yet. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think it could be a little bit fiscal when they say, oh, well, you know, we give them a little bit of a bag. They're going to make a whole lot because that's how Atlanta is, right? Right. But they didn't see what actually happened in Atlanta back to the yin-yang um, Apache days, we were um, we we supported each other inside of a system. Okay, 
Um, I used to wear this big medallion. For mm. years, people, you know, see this um, big amber that I used to wear. Well, a guy friend of mine made that. You know, he's from D.C., but he came down here and started a business. Okay. And what would happen at a, say, a, at a Yin Yang at that time, we would have artists. We would have poets. We would have um, this super black culture, right, that we all financed and, you know, yeah. Oh, I want some jewelry. Oh, well, call so and so and so and so. Oh, I need some portrait. Well, so and so and get uh, Malachi on it. Uh, and so and so. We would support each other in whatever our vision was. Yeah, right, to the point right. it became one of those things where if you can't make it in Atlanta, you can't sell it in Atlanta. You you ain't trying. <laughs> like like if you right. if, if you can't do it here, right? You you're not doing it right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a difference here. Like I've lived in New York City, so it's there's it's different. Every entertainment center, let's call it, you go to. Mm-hmm. But there is something, and maybe Southern hospitality, we could call it that, but there is something here that is different from everywhere else. And I do think that that's why Atlanta leads the industry in a lot of areas right now and why the people are coming. But, but I digress. But. No, you're right. I think, um, I think it's a lot of money here. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of corporate and not just music, but like a lot of, a lot of people don't realize, like corporations, yeah. you know. Lots of corporations, um, lots of, um, uh, there's lots of culture here. Mm-hmm. And if if you want to do well, and especially if you, it don't even really matter what, if you if you color whatever color you are, right? That's you know what I'm saying? If you want to do well, Atlanta's a spot where you can spread your wings and most likely going to fly. Right. Just put the energy into it and create right. the right team. That's right. I was um I just did this TV show. I think I was telling you about it. Uh, um, and it's out in Peachtree City, mm-hmm. way out there, big thing. They do uh. uh was that Family Feud? They did the Marvel mm-hmm. comics there, yeah. and basically, what is it? It's a compound of 24, 30 studios, bro, mm-hmm. on dirt. Yeah. Only thing they did was take a bunch of dirt, do it right, put some fences up. It's beautiful down there, mm-hmm. right? It's been dirt here. Yeah. Tyler did it. <laughs> oh, but what's the Ford? Uh, Ford McPherson. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was the dirt inside the city. These yeah. guys said, "Let's come outside the city." Yeah, exactly. And do this. Oh, it's gonna happen ten other times mm-hmm. before actually people actually catch on. Mm-hmm. Even crazier is it's a market for some of the basic things that come with television. Wigs. Remember, I told you that somebody's gonna make a million dollars off of this right here. I'm gonna give you two wigs and cameras <laughs> because you can't get enough of either one. Yeah, and demographically, if you're in the right, logistically, if you're in the right area, and you got a thing like cameras and wigs and a television show, this sells itself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do nothing, but yeah. I mean, but that's for free. So, um, <laughs> but I watch that kind of stuff, and that's what we do down here. We see a need, mm-hmm. you see a gap for a thing, yeah, and someone finally says, "Oh, well, let me see how I can get that working. How how can I?" Well, what do I need to do this? Here's a little building. Here's a little, you know, here's a little capital. What do we need to make it happen? Mm-hmm. And then somebody gravitates to it, and now it's a thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's what Atlanta is. We all come together. We, I don't know everything, but I'll call a guy who does mm-hmm. know something I don't right. know. And I'll call you, and i say, yeah. hey, Zach, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, if you call, and that's how we do. We connect, yeah. Yeah. and we build each that's other. That's the ecosystem, right? Yeah, it just flows. It. Yeah, it just flows. So let's jump back into your to your to your music, uh, and you talked about your process earlier. I'm sure a lot of people want to know um, how you approach a show. So, New Edition calls you, going on a world tour. Mm. We want you to do it. What's next? Where do you <laughs> even start? Next? Yeah, where do you start? 
because you got the call and I'm assuming at this point, do you, do you handpick every musician that plays alongside you? Wow. Sadly, no. Okay. Do you want to? Yes. Um, and I just for full transparency, <laughs> I was with New Edition mm-hmm. for 17 years. Okay. I am still music director for Bobby, but I'm currently okay. not with uh, New Edition. Got it. Um, but they're 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 out with some of the young bloods, and they're going to do absolutely amazing. Okay. I, I have the most faith in them, and um, they they were well taught. Okay. <laughs> Let's just go with that. So you you're current currently with Bobby. I was with New Edition for 17 years. Um, I've been with Bobby for 16. I'm currently not doing New Edition, but I'm still with Bobby. Right. Um, so if Bobby Bobby calls and he says, "Hey Trey, I wanna I wanna go on a tour." Oh, well, what do see, you, where in do you that start? case, it's, I have complete time, complete control okay. in a Bobby case. And the New Edition, not so much because what happens is, and these are the nuances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have a um, they have a six man or in this, their new additions um, case, seven people that's involved. You got the six primaries and then you have a manager. Okay. So uh, the way that looks is real subjective. Like the last tour we did, uh, last culture tour, uh, not to blow the horn, but uh, it was, I, I was music director for that. Gave them one of the top five tours in the country last year. Mm, nice. So it did well in that regard. 40 cities showed up, sold out. Wow. And so it was a good Huge. thing. That's great. Super awesome. Um, but in that case, I didn't have control of who the band members were. Okay. Each member had, they basically inside information took, a, you know, brought certain people to the party uh, who they wanted to use. Okay. Whether it was a good idea or not, a lot of times those artists and said management does not understand what continuity looks like. So that can cause it to be a little more difficult mm-hmm. um, to do a thing. Because right. I didn't start out as a music director. They had hired someone else. Okay. And I, you know, I sat back and mm-hmm. watched it go bad. And then, then I'm brought into the office. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> right. It's kind of like what you talked about earlier, back in the early days where you, back to Wizard again, yes. sitting around, it's kind yes. of yeah. yeah. fixing was not, and, and, not yeah. right. And he yeah. brought me he brought me into that scenario. Okay. Um, because I worked actually with Ralph on a play. And um, and actually I did the programming for New Edition before I started playing. Mm, okay. So because okay. Alex Evans was playing with uh, Derek Oregon and Wizard. So I programmed with Jason to, uh, to send him out. They did a, like a Y or something like that. And then uh, when they came back in, uh, Wizard was putting a band together with Melvin um, uh, Melly on drums. And it's like, well, um, why don't you call? Who you think's going on bass? And Mel was like, you know, I ain't never did a big gig with Trey. You think he can play key bass? And then got a phone call. Can you play key bass? It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, all right, you want to do this new edition thing? Like, yeah, sure. I have a program for it. But Ralph said, yeah, he programmed the show. So let's bring him in. So that's how that all started. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so you wish you could have that control in a lot of cases, you know, more often than not, you can put your whole band together. Mm-hmm. But in that case, it's just a lot of hands involved and yeah. it can it can be a little bit rough to navigate, especially mm-hmm. when what your vision is and skill set don't match up, mm-hmm. okay. you know. So you appreciate, shout out to my man, um, Adam Blackstone. I actually literally called him one day and said, bro, your process and your, pro- you know, that that's, a, that's bananas, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But his system, yeah has been bought into right the people understand the dollar amount that's associated with putting this thing together and why you should pay it Mm -hmm. because if you do what i ask you to do on this line i can make everything you talking about possible 
Right. And it'll be even doper than what you were expecting. Right. But what happens more often than not, people tell you, you give them a number and they say, oh, I only got. So why you ask me what I wanted? Mm-hmm. And this is for free right here. I'm going right. to tell you. I'm going to say this and then it's probably, you know, it'll be a whole problem later on. But I'm going to just say it this way. Never let anyone ask you your number. That's not a good negotiating tactic mm. because they already know what they want to spend. Right. They already know what they have. Okay. And that's going to be, people are going to not like what I just said just mm-hmm. now. Cause most people say, well, you got your number, stick to your number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Well, what's, what's more effective? What's more effective is what's your budget. Mm-hmm. It's basic. You know what your budget is. Yeah. So if I said, if I say to you, right. Oh, you want me to do a song, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, so I say to my mom, my song is $50,000. You know you weren't gonna spend $50,000 for this one song. Right. You knew that, mm-hmm. but I said it just so you can give an idea of what you kinda, well, I only got $3,000. Well, you knew you only had $3,000. Right. Why don't we start there? Right. What's mm-hmm. your budget? And let me see if I can, listen to the language. Mm-hmm. I wanna work with you. I wanna make your thing a success. How can I help you get this thing done and effectively work this whole process out with you. We can right. deal with the budget, we can deal with the people because I want you to be successful. Mm-hmm. Did you see what I just did yeah. now? Yeah. I put it all on you. You've, and you, but you've attached yourself to, to the process itself. Now you, you, and it's not, a, an, it's not an act. You're legitimately trying to, to get connected to the project because they are seeking you out for expertise. And I yeah. think what's easy to miss is that you have the opportunity potentially for leverage. You can, you can create with more freedom, uh, not because of guilt, but just because you, they're seeking you out. They see you as a person that may really deserve 50,000, but and they, they only it. have the three. And they know it, Yeah, because that's why I'm here. That's why the conversation is being had, right? right? So, so watch this. What you, uh, more, what more often than not, what people actually pay for is not what I'm doing. Mm. It's what I'm connected to. Right, right. That's a powerful point. You might, want to say that. you might want to say that again. You're not paying for this. You're paying for all the things that come with me. Mm-hmm. It's a, <laughs> I, got, yeah. I got seven, I don't know, 8,000 people in my phone right now. Mm-hmm. I can literally touch, I'm probably two degrees of separation from anybody you're thinking about. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't come from one day of doing something. <laughs> so if you hire me to do a thing, and you say, well, I want you to come in and I want you to play bass. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that same thing comes into, oh, Trey's playing for me or Lil John's playing for me or Jubu's playing for me. That means when I put, I can put that on the flyer mm. and when I was charging 15, now I can charge 30. Yeah. And it don't translate when they just say, I need you to come play bass. And they don't tell you about the flyer. Right. Mm-hmm. They just say, if I get these guys, next thing you know, you got a flyer. You don't agree mm-hmm. to this number. Yeah. They start charging this. Yeah. It's 500 people in the room. You know what I'm saying? And it's sold this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at the big picture of it all. Yeah. Well, I could have made $1,000. And you didn't got me for 200 because I thought I was doing you a favor. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had to be careful about that. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand uh, trademark and likeness. Oh, yeah. And the, and the rights attached to that and, and the fees that you can charge. Yeah. For your likeness. Now, it's a, and it's college is doing it now. I mean, they're now NIL. They're NIL deals, but it's been happening in the music business for years. Mm-hmm. And people leverage it. it. It's exactly what promoters and 
et cetera, et cetera, does. To... Do you remember back in the day when we used to take an album and we would have to go look to the record store? This is crazy. I know y'all don't know nothing about this. <laughs> but you used to take a record and you would turn it over to see who was actually playing on that. Yeah, credits. You, who mm -hmm. produced the record. Mm -hmm. And it mattered at that moment. You didn't even hear it. Right. You just saw the name, Greg Phelan Gaines, mm -hmm. Nathan East, or Bob James, or GRP Records. You said, ooh, I got to have it. Yeah. You put it 799. Yeah. Quality with well, the name. You knew yeah. uh -huh. without even hearing it right. that it was going to be at a level. Mm -hmm. Right? Watch. <laughs> it's very subtle. Right. It's big and subtle mm -hmm. at the same time. When you see this, and you know that I'm involved. I don't have to say anything about my logo. People can look at it and say, oh, that's Trey. Yeah, right. Oh, oh, I know it's going to be this kind of thing if I just simply put my logo on mm -hmm. Power of a brand. Right. Branding. So 101. same thing with these with these people that do that when they ask you, say, hey, man, I need you to come in and music direct. Okay, well, what does it all entail? Let's start there. Mm -hmm. What do you actually want? How many songs is it? Ask these, ask these basic questions. What's your budget? Uh, how many rehearsals do you want? Uh, um, uh, it depends on what level it is. Are you providing lunch? Are you giving me a lunch budget? Um, do we have backline involved? How many cities is it? Is it? Are we, how are we traveling? Are we staying in hotels? Are you trying to make me share a room? Way too old for that. Let's <laughs> let's go down the list of stuff. And if you're not covering all of that right. before you say okay, because you see a dollar now, mm -hmm. you're gonna be in trouble somewhere along the line with the list of things that they're asking you to do. Right. Because right. you didn't see it coming. No, no, no. I saw it coming a mile away. Because mm -hmm. how many times, I mean, there's people out there, oh, I took the gig, it was $300, right? Man, they wanted five rehearsals, and then they wanted not only five rehearsals, it was in the middle of the day, I had to pay the kids and take the kids, you know, mm -hmm. had to do this, and then we had to show up at 11 o'clock for a nine o'clock gig, which mm -hmm. means my whole day is taken up. And then the $300 really seemed like about $25. Right, right. You know, and it's like, well, it was good money. Uh, you know, then when I first thought, well, yeah, right, right. But did you need five rehearsals for these songs? Mm -hmm. Who's these? You know, who's this for? A lot of times, that would be the case in my world. I'll be like, who are we rehearsing for? Right. Are we rehearsing for you or for us? Because I could streamline this mm. and make these numbers make sense. Whereas we don't necessarily need three days of rehearsal. What I need is. The proper people okay. with two rehearsals. All right. There we right? go. Right. Or the proper people with one rehearsal and a decent sound check. Mm. And now I'm not wasting money here. I can shift this over to budget and pay pay these guys more. Yeah. And right. or get, or pay the guys who deserve more, who are actually gonna bring it to the table properly, mm. because that's really where it is. Now I can say, well, uh, let's pay these guys a thousand dollars. But who I'm gonna have playing for you? first rehearsal on eight hours and eight but 10 songs, they're gonna murder this. You mm -hmm. already got the basic arrangements, you already got all this kind of stuff, even with creativity involved, you gave me two days with the right people. Right, right. It's an overkill. It's a big and then difference. I come and we, and we sound checking to make it even more better, just to get, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. timing is everything, what days you rehearse, yeah. are you recording rehearsal? It's a lot involved. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's music director and it should be one-on-one. -on -one. But it's not. It's like, uh, oh, I just like the title. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Telling people what to do. Stop the band. Man, nobody <laughs> care nothing about all that, man. You ain't a fifth. You, if you, you can stop the band and have a title all you want, but you can suck at it too, just, right. just for all them little things. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're doing too much. <laughs> you know, I watched a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he was, I was looking at it. I wasn't playing, mm -hmm. but he was in his talk back oh, wow. so much. 
when the guys came off the stage, I was like, yo, how are y'all playing these songs? What was he saying to y'all? <laughs> like, I mean, y- y'all rehearsed three times. Uh-huh. So like, oh man, he was saying this and this. And I said, it was almost aggravating. I said, I'm looking at it and thought it was aggravating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's crazy. Because sometimes we like the position and we mm-hmm. like to show that we, you know, I got an MD shirt on. Yeah, I, right. You ain't never got to see me. <laughs> you ain't never got to see me. And then we're supposed to be rehearsed to the point I'm not supposed to talk that much. Right. I might be giving cues to playback. I might be saying, oh, I mean, we're going to have to do this now. Did this yeah. happen? Somebody missed a cue or something. But me just constantly. Could be a lack of trust. There might be some some other stuff going on there if you feel like you I feel have like to it has that. some ego yeah. in it. I think it has yeah. some. Uh, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look what I can do, look what I can do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of stuff, but it's not necessary in your job. If you're actually doing your job, effectively putting the right people together, mm-hmm. asking the right questions, doing things, you're supposed to trust it. That's you're supposed to be like hitting play and going. Yeah, well that's not, you basically answered the question like, you know, from before, that's, that's your process. In essence, you thought, it seems like you start with the people. Like that's, if, you, if you have that option, you're gonna start with your first call people or people that you know you can get the job done. Yes. So. You're looking for what in the people on your team? Like when you, when I think about, like I, here's some names that come to mind. You already mentioned Lil John Roberts. When I think about you, Lil John, Derek Scott, Phil mm. Davis playing together, that's 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 a. I know y'all don't play together all the time, but y'all have played together a lot, yes. and that's a lot of years of experience per member. Yes. But then y'all have a lot of time playing and gelling and vibing with each other. Yes. So. That's just one band. I know you've assembled numerous groups, but what makes that particular quartet special to you? I mean, <laughs> I don't, I'm the young one, not that group, but it's a it's an honor to be able to call those my brothers and know that as a music director, I'm respected when I when I bring them in to do a thing, right? And doing a thing is knowing that we could say we could take a twelve songs and call a rehearsal. And what'll happen is everyone comes to the rehearsal knowing what they're supposed to know. It's basic like that. Some matter of fact, Lil John is an overachiever. He'll be the a program something made samples. Yeah, yeah. Look at Derek Scott got. I tried to get him to get an iPad. He's just coming around, but he have his papers all out there with tape on them and all yeah, that, yeah, and charts yeah. and all right. that. Like, dude, you gotta get an iPad, man. Like, come on, this is crazy. Like, what are you doing? I got my yeah. iPad, but it's know? there, right? Yeah, it's but it's there. there. You right. can trust it. You don't have to worry about did he um, did he study for? Does he know the songs or anything like that? And J Rod, I called him to do a TV show. I was working with you on. Um, I can see your voice. Just here recently on Fox. So um, I needed three different bands. Um, so I would call the bands in and I would pick people. Mm-hmm. It was based off of A, in this particular case, how quick you were and how and could you read. Mm. So I selected people who I knew could read and that were good, that were pliable enough to adjust because these songs weren't but 30 seconds or 60 seconds long or whatever. I gotta get it back to the studio where I'm at, put vocals to it, mix it and all this kind of stuff, right? But like I said, call J-Rock, call Justice, call Sam Sims, call you know, call all these guys because I knew what they brought to the table. I knew they were easy in their personality. They could read, they would murder it, get the stuff back. And I'm doing 18 to 22 songs a day. Wow. Wow. I don't have time to waste, so I needed them. You know, Ray uh, is over in another studio. I'm sending them. I'm setting the whole thing up. Okay. He's just walking in. He don't even know. He don't even know none of the guys. Right. He literally is just trusting me because this is what I do. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, he even saw Justice and he was like, they, they surely look young. I said, just trust me, they about to kill it. Yeah. Eight hours later, man, them boys was bad. I was like, <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm telling you, they, like, they bad. They, they early goats. You right, know what I'm right, saying? Right. So that's what we do. We put that stuff together and we, 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 have, we hire the right people based off of not just skill set, but personality. Because a lot of times people don't, you know, you might can hire a guy and then you realize that they're not fun to hang around. Wow, and you got and I firmly believe if we can't go eat together, true, and, and feel good on Talk that, about room, it. we ain't we can't gel. Talk about it because it weirds on stage. You kind of got this little quirk. People don't realize well if they quirking, they dope musically. Uh, well, yeah, that might be for somebody. Just ain't for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I believe that you got a beta, we got a beta. Just you don't got to be a drinker, but you come to the bar and have a coke or water. Okay, right? I don't need you to. Have a drink. I yeah. need you to. I need to get to it's, know. Yes, we're interacting. Yeah, yeah, because your interaction makes yeah. my music have that. Mm-hmm. I know how to. You yeah. know, say I know how to. Okay, he funny. Oh, yeah. here I go. You know, what I'm saying that's oh, the key, right? And that's the key that right. creates continuity, creates match. And me and Lil John and Phil, like I said, Derek. Yeah, me and Derek play chess together. We have breakfast. We go have a cigar from time to time. Mm-hmm. People don't realize like so when you see me and Derek. We don't spend so much time off the music. Yes. The music is the simple part. That's like the that's part. the fun thing. Me right. and Lil John, we yeah. we y'all had arguments and got over that and got past that and celebrated each other's birthdays. But blah, blah. Yeah, it's not the that, first time, right? That creates continuity. That creates an understanding when people are coming in and out of the music for those events as well. You know what I'm saying? When I say in musical events, you know Derek's gonna come out right here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because I know his personality. I know how you know he drinks his coffee black. Yeah. No cream, no sugar. <laughs> okay, I know that. He's a man. He's a man's man. <laughs> you know what I'm but you know, I like mine with cream. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. So, you know, so and musically, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I know that because he drinks his coffee. I know it's gonna make no sense, but because he drinks his coffee black, you better stay to that chart. It's he's a purist. Once he done wrote it. And I wrote the chart out and listened to it. That mm-hmm. if you he we do anything off of that chart, he's gonna say, "Hey man, um, did y'all change something here?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, my bad. Right, so, right. <laughs> so that came from you know saying we was in here right, before, you know, and I thought it'd be cool to add this in. We are gonna mm-hmm. change that to that. Oh, okay, man. Okay, okay. Say, no, hold on. You're gonna write it out. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And, and you and it's, and you say, "Well, how did he get that from coffee?" Trust me, it's the whole thing. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Because yeah. people have habits. That's right. That's you know right. what I'm saying? So if you show me enough time that you're going to show up at 8.05 and the call time was 7.45 or 8 o'clock, you show me two times, mm-hmm. I don't need three. Yeah. I need two. Mm-hmm. That third time, yeah. that's just a bitch. Once could be a, once could be an accident, could be a, a traffic, could be somebody died, I don't know. But when you start doing things more than once, we got a pattern. You got a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I heard it. So we're gonna do something uh, fun as we get close to the end here. I want to just ask you some rapid questions, just see what your what your answers are. We'll we'll create a we'll create a name for this segment later. But, uh, so I know you're a southern gentleman. Mm. So we're gonna start with something unique to your culture. Okay. Sweet potato pie or banana pudding? Ooh, sweet potato pie. All right. Best book you've heard or read? Ooh, Confessions of a Killer. Hmm. I have to explain that. Album you have on repeat or song, playlist or? Oh wow, that gets real tricky. Uh, uh, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm, what song? Uh, it was Shining Star. Yeah, it's a reason though. 
Okay. I had to uh, do it for a Berkeley student, for Lil John. I had to play the hook and, and record it. Yeah. So because I tuned a whole step down, I had to retune my bass so he could see it properly. Yeah. Because I yeah. was just playing it on my bass, but on <laughs> for him to look at it, a student, I had to learn it in the next key, and I had to hear absolute nuances. So I, for him, not for the way I play it, because mm -hmm. again, I was tuned different. I knew yeah. what it was. For him to do it, I had to restudy it to make sure that I had the Verdeen yeah. 16 bar. Yeah. yeah, it's like all the little stuff. So that's why that's on repeat. Shout out to Verdeen White. That's, I'm sure I'm already I'm already convinced that that's me and you's virtual mentor. Maybe yours in person for I real. Got a picture of us on yeah. my wall. Though. Yeah, I, you got one. I got. I think you just gotta have one. Yeah, you gotta you can, have one if man. you can get one. And he has the greatest hair that you've ever seen. In your the life. best hair, and he's probably the best best dude ever. Oh, you know, just just guy. in general. I love. I just. So many people and so many bass players specifically, right? Because we got a lot of bass in the room right now. Yes, sir. That, that is, that is, that's the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy. Him. Yeah. Protect um, Verdine at all costs. Oh, <laughs> bubble wrap him ASAP. <laughs> Hardest bass lick you ever had to learn played by someone else. Oh, uh, um, um, Pieces of a Dream, James, um, James, uh, uh, God, what's James's last name? James Lloyd. Okay. James Lloyd had this song, and I still got it in my phone. And uh, it's a 16 bar riff. Mm -hmm. That's the whole. That's the whole thing about this song. You got to play this line. Mm -hmm. But it took me. I had to slow it down and everything. Right. Um, no, no something, no something. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's the name of it. But. Yo, it was crazy. It took me like a couple weeks to get it uh, up to speed. <laughs> up to, up to, I finally got it. When I did it, finally get it yeah. I, on the show. He, uh, we all scream, yeah! <laughs> like, like, yeah, I got the link. Oh, 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 it, so, it was so tough. And he's just laughing because you know he, he's 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 funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. Last one: R and B or hip hop? R and B. Why? Um, um, cause I'm R and B feel hip uh, passion to writing. Um, when it came about, it came off of, of an era of creativity. Like for me, the 80s, the 80s was the best era ever. I feel like I should have born, been born in the 60s, so I could have probably enjoyed the 70s and 80s better mm. because they were they were really truly being creative. Okay. I mean, think about it. Um, Bootsy Collins played with uh, James Brown, right? Um, Michelle Indigale, cello play with arrested development and speech you see what i'm saying so like no one ever all those things that tied together was a new thing mm -hmm. like he'll never be another james brown right. you know what i'm saying right. but bootsy came up with his True. own thing from within playing, yeah. yeah yeah you know in right. that world michelle and Nigel cello her their stuff is nothing like uh you know people what's it called uh, you know that's that whole speech and all that sound yeah. that arrested development sound. It ain't nothing like that. Yeah, digging like a whole sort. Digging, oh my god, that's some amazing records that she put out. But it had nothing to do with it. So it was a super creative, or simply red and 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 all that '80s stuff. And even though it had like some drum program and it had funk, and everybody was individually creative with reckless abandonment. They weren't cookie cuttering mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. No one was trying to be a thing. And if people really looked into history, you would understand that all the producers were jazz heads. Dilla, even though that's hip hop, right? 
they would be classified as hip hop. Mm. He was a jazz head. Dre, all them, um, Dallas Austin, all these samples and stuff came from jazz records. Mm. This means you had to be a student of jazz music, you okay. know what I'm saying, and listen to the actual records. They weren't running through the computer listening to stuff. They were putting albums on it. That's time. Mm. And you need time to be able to do that. And I think R&B, um, in that era and time, it was creative, it was fun. Now, we're to the point that literally we're sampling 90s records mm. and re recreating that energy for these hip hop songs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 2023. Sounds crazy, right? Yeah. 30 years ago. It's happening. But it's happening in real time. Right. You're married to music, literally. You're musically hits in real life, but you also are married mm -hmm. in real life and married to a musician. What's that like? How is, what is it like having a musical household where a husband and wife, both musically involved, mm -hmm. ever any tension there? Do you guys have to, how do you, how do you balance it all? Like that's a lot of music in one household when it's both people. <laughs> it's gonna sound real weird, especially to y'all. Uh, we don't work together musically a lot. And when we're home, we're home. Okay. She doesn't, She'll do her lessons or something, you know what I'm saying, online, or or, or um, she'll get lessons. Um, but she's literally never in the studio. She has her own separate studio thing. But when she's home, she's home. Now, I'll do stuff in the studio, and, you know, surely I chart songs. But we're not, I think that's probably a part, of, part of our success. We've been together 15 years. Mm -hmm. And we we had a together, separatist ride, you know what I mean? We, you know, we don't make ourselves have to work together mm -hmm. and she's doing what she does i do right. what i do right it's it's literally this this come home mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah um and that works for us okay. so I've, I've seen it work i've seen it not work as well i think i've seen it not work more than i've seen it work because i feel like there needs to be a balance yeah and you know i might be uh Sometimes I should probably go to more gigs of hers, you know, when she's doing stuff in town. Okay. But I don't, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm not trying to go. Right. I'm probably just with our kids, something simple like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and at the same time, she doesn't come to everything that I do. There's several uh, uh, TV shows or uh, touring. I mean, like, even yeah. with the 17 years. You can't come to everything, yeah. She just... can't. I think she's probably been to maybe four shows in 16, 17 years with wow. New Edition and, uh, okay. or, or Bobby or whatever, mm -hmm. or even Roberta Flack or any of this stuff like that. Yeah. She's just like, ah. You do what you do. I'm, and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> She'd be like that. I'd be having tickets for all kind of stuff. You yeah. know, she'd be like, nah, I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get it. Like, I don't want to go to everything either. Right. I don't, you don't see me if D'Angelo come in town, I'm there. <laughs> you know, we went to go see, she took me to see Prince um, before he passed and, um, we both went to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. Nice. You know, I did the um, Soul Train Awards when we did the tribute. Awesome. To awesome. Um, to Earth, Wind, and Fire. So that's why I got that picture. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um, but we went to the show to check that out together mm -hmm. at Chastain. So that was um, that's those moments. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and we went to a country to see Kenny Chesney because I I, I'm, I think I want to do country. Low key country. Uh, if, okay, if I, I had to tour again, like totally get out there, I would do that. That would take me to yeah. back to the road. That's a nugget. We don't have to say that for the next episode, but that, that, <laughs> that's, that's that's long money right there for Ooh, sure. Man, yeah, that's country gig. Oh, yeah. I'm here. I'm here for yeah. y'all. See me cowboy boots, cowboy hats, <laughs> that with a T on the side. I promise y'all, I'd be rocking. It. 
<laughs> your sons, you got two fine gentlemen, right? That you ra- that you raise and raising. What do you hope for them? Ooh, well, I successfully navigated the big one. Uh, he's University of Arkansas. Um, has uh, I think it's. I think it's seven. I think he just won his seventh ring with the SEC championship uh, in, in hurdles. He's a baller. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's he's good. Um, neuropsychology. I've always wanted him to have something stable, six figures out the gate. I talk about that heavily. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. what are you going to school for? Yeah. So you're not pressuring them to do music? Never did. Yeah. You know, that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Now, he can produce, the, you know, uh, Travian, he, he's a good kid, and he knows how to produce. And he's a violin. Actually, went through Ken Ford's uh, oh, wow. uh, foundation, nice. sat in first chair. No nepotism involved at all. He <laughs> totally didn't know. He's like, uh, walked up to him one day. He's like, I think you know my dad. He's like, who? Trey. That's your dad? He's like, yeah. Like, like, so oh, I've cool. been yeah. playing with Ken for years. He's right. like, I did not know that was your son. I was like, yeah, wow. man, you know. Wow. But he could play violin. Could have went to the college for that. That scholarship, you could have did what? But chose track. Mm-hmm. I always wanted him to go in another direction for stability. And that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. The little one, I don't have a, I, I, I don't have a, it's, it's literally going to be a dice throw. He's singing, he's singing right now. We had to tell the people at the school, <laughs> like, hey, man, he's musical. He just sings and plays and it's all day because mm-hmm. he's around it. So, I mean, he knows more records than we know. He pulls up artists all the time. We'd be like, who is this? And yeah. he'd be bumping it. We'd be like, okay, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he's musical and I don't think I'm going to be able to get around it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think he's going to be a special kid yeah, playing probably yeah. everything, singing yeah. and writing. I think that's probably what's going to happen because mm-hmm. we cannot tell him not to do what yeah. we do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but I, I love my boys. They're amazing. That's awesome, man. Well, this has been a, a big one. My last question for you is you, you've already done a lot, right? And I'm sure there's more to do. And uh, people, where can people find you on social media if they want to keep up with what you're doing and what you got going on? In the um, interesting thing. My name is spelled T R E S. That's very good. Got to keep up with that. That's the part. Most people mess that up. <laughs> and yes, it is Trey. <laughs> this is just solid. Okay. So T R E S Gilbert as a Trey Gilbert dot com. Trey Funk still with an S T R E S or you know all of the you know variables of T R E S yeah. Gilbert. So that's I G. That's Facebook. That's Twitter. You know, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. And so when you, 50 years from now, I know you celebrated a 5-0 recently. Um, made it. 50 years from now, 100 years from now, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy, this is going to parallel something I've been saying for a while, to be love. Love, all-encompassing. Love all your people. Love all, love down, love up, love sideways. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you encompass all the things that come with that because that's how you grow. That's how you grow people. Because if I love you enough, I'll give you what you need. That's You'll right. give me what I need. We'll we'll transfer this thing and then make everybody better around us. Right. Right. They won't be no uh, me, you. It'll just be a us. Mm-hmm. So I believe, and I and you know, even back to my party, it was just so much love. I lived off of love for a full seven days because I individually called these one hundred. I called them the one hundred, one hundred, and they came to show up for me. Bobby Brown, you know what I'm saying, Lil G, Malcolm Jamal Warner, my family, my sisters, people flew in, sending me stuff all over the place, nice. all because I was turning 50. But the real thing was, it was for them. It wasn't for me. I could have looked at TV and ate at home. Right. I said, right. I want to appreciate y'all for loving on me through all that I've been done and been through. Oh, wow. So yeah. I think that if, if anything is that love, that you know, you translate love, you give love, 
all the way down the line, and then everything will be better. I just believe that. Yeah. Well, from Atlanta to the world, you know, to Atlanta, (laughs) Trey Gilbert, one and only man. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, my brother. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Always a pleasure. Lots of nuggets. Thank you guys for tuning in. As usual, this has been another episode of Musically Hitch. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. for Trey Gilbert. We'll see you next time.